as that lights up. Well, welcome everyone uh, to an informational briefing on the Judge Doyle Square amended and restated development agreement. Um, we have a presentation this afternoon. Uh, we'd like to walk through the elements of the development agreement. What we're going to do is we're going to start with what is the project in terms of what will be built. As we've talked a lot about of specific details, but it's always good to step back and realize what the elements are and the phasing of those elements. So, so we'll, we'll start there. We'll follow that then by talking about the financial elements of the agreement and the phasing of the project and how those pieces fit together. Um, uh, followed by a, a discussion of the parking. Uh, there'll be 1,250 stalls of parking constructed as part of the project. We'll walk through those elements, uh, the lease uh, the provisions under the uh, development agreement, uh, and then deal with some other provisions. There's some important uh, elements relative to the exact sciences workforce, uh, a project labor agreement, um, uh, uh, labor peace agreement, uh, and uh, probably a few other odds and ends there. And then we'll end up just talking about what happens next if the council decides to proceed with uh, Judge Dell Square and exact sciences on Tuesday night, what will follow. Um, just a couple of introductory comments uh, before we jump into the uh, project elements, and that is, is that it's always good to remember this is a city-initiated project. The Common Council in February uh, authorized a request for proposals. Uh, that was issued, and uh, we were, they were due in May of this year, May 1st. Uh, the Council uh, uh, reviewed the uh, four proposals that were received, uh, and based on review by the negotiating team and the uh, Board of Estimates, recommended that we single out the exact sciences, Judge uh, JDS development proposal, uh, due to the... Um, opportunity to bring a major employer to the downtown and negotiate regarding that proposal first and um, established a timeline which is bringing us back uh, to Tuesday night, September 29th with the amended and restated agreement uh, to be acted upon. Uh, so we're following through on a process that is uh, required that the uh, negotiating team to meet 25 times with the, with the uh, uh, JDS development and exact sciences to bring forward the amended and restated agreement that will be before the council on uh, uh, Tuesday night. In addition, the, there's a substitute resolution that will be uh, before the council on Tuesday that does a number of things. And it's important to remember what those are. Number one, uh, if adopted, it would uh, um, adopt the amended and restated development agreement, the terms under which the city and JDS development and exact sciences would proceed to develop blocks 88 and 105. It would direct follow-up actions uh, by the city as described in that agreement. Um, and it would authorize other agreements as described within the uh, uh, development agreement to go forward. There's a clause relative to uh, uh, City of Madison TIF policy and state TIF law, uh, recognizing the project is consistent with uh, those policies and laws, and it makes exceptions where needed um, for uh, uh, under the City of Madison's TIF policy, and there are nine of those in the resolution. Uh, there were 13 in the July resolution. Those have been reduced to nine based on the further negotiation. Uh, it would accept the room count of the uh, hotel component to be a minimum of uh, 216 rooms, even though we're trying to seek a larger hotel. It would create that floor of no less than 216 rooms. And it would also <coughs> um, indicate that the terms of the July 7th resolution, which authorized the development agreement that was signed on July 15th, essentially a preliminary agreement, um, that the, those terms that were authorized in that resolution have been satisfied 
And last but not least, it would create a uh, JDS monitoring team to oversee the equity initiatives that will be described further in today's briefing <coughs> as the project would go forward. There is a second resolution that's part of the package uh, coming out of the Board of Estimates on Tuesday, and that's the sale of the subterranean property rights that are covered within the uh, purchase agreement. So with that as a brief introduction, um, we'll turn it over to Natalie. All right. Hopefully you can hear me all right. Uh, there are um, really three phases to the proposed development, and Dave can flip to the next slide there. Uh, this is uh, obviously in an air balloon, um, looking back at the Madison Municipal Building. And on the back half of the Madison Municipal Building, which is on Block 88, you can see a small annex to that building. And as part of this development, that annex uh, will be taken down. And the site will be subdivided so that the exact sciences office tower can go on the back half of the block behind the Madison Municipal Building. It should be clear that the annex, while it's currently being demolished for the JDS transaction, uh, if the council chooses to go forward with the renovation of the Madison Municipal Building, that annex building will come down as part of that renovation. So it's not specifically being demolished for this uh, JDS transaction. Moving across Pinckney Street and down towards the uh, right-hand or lower right-hand side uh, is the existing Capital East parking structure, which is uh, proposed to be replaced as part of this development. And on top of the new parking structure that would be there would be constructed a hotel as the second phase and then a further office tower of 107,000 square feet for a potential exact expansion or another office user. And that we would consider as the third phase. Um, this, on this slide, you're really standing on the Doty Street side of the um, proposed development. Um, over here is the Madison Municipal Building. Pinckney Street is moving up through the middle of this uh, slide. And this is a cut through the building to show you um, the cross section of the building. There have been a lot of discussions about the parking ramp that's proposed in the first phase. And I'll point out that the first phase includes an office tower for exact sciences headquarters, a total of 250,000 square feet in that structure. Uh, construction to start in December of 2015 this year or January 2016 and running through July of 2017, which is the date that exact sciences has been indicating they need to be having their space available to them to move in. The projected incremental assessed value on that office building is about $53.5 million. To make that office building happen, the development will first construct the parking structure, and that will be a 1,250-stall parking garage. And the construction will start with one tier of parking under where the Exact Sciences building is going. They'll then begin to construct Exact Sciences office building on this side as they continue to, to construct three more levels down um, on the parking structure. And the structure will run across underneath Pinckney Street and come up into Block 105 where the current Capital East or excuse me, Government East parking structure exists. The CDA will construct this parking structure, and when the construction is finished, they'll sell a condominium unit to the public util the parking utility with about 600 parking spaces in it, and they'll, they'll lease to the JDS LLC 650 parking spaces. As the plans currently stand, those, this hatched area 
is the area for the what we refer to as the private accessory parking, and that's the parking for uh, the private developer lease from the CDA. As I mentioned, it's 650 spaces. There is some movement right now in the negotiation, which will be finalized prior to closing, about where exactly that middle floor will get cut to, to have public versus private. Because you, got about, you have about 620 spaces down here, and so you need to take part of this floor. You need to determine where that gate um, is to make the private users, the office users, go down into their space, the public users go up into their space. Um, as I've mentioned, this parking structure comes up out of the ground. And I think one of the things we should point out is that this parking structure, as it comes out of the ground, isn't as efficient as the current government east parking lot. And that's primarily because on two floors, which are at grade and, and depending on which side of the block you're on, are both at grade, you're really fitting in retail space along Pinckney Street because the RFP asked that Pinckney Street be activated with retail space and lobby spaces and other uses. And by the time you put in that retail space, plus a bike center, plus a customer care facility for our parking utility, plus loading for the hotel and the office use on Williamson Street, you take out a big chunk of these floors that are at grade. And so those floors, while we would prefer to have them handle 115 parking spaces, they're only hitting about 40 to 50 parking spaces per floor. And so that inefficiency is, is uh, something that we've continued to work with the developer and will continue to work with the developer to look at other ways we can move some of those other uses and get better efficiency on those two floors. Sure. Do, you need a hit? Do we need a hint as? Got it, thanks. So um, I just want to clarify a few things that I think I understand, but I'm never completely confident of. The entire parking structure will be owned by the city. The CDA will own and lease the private portion, and the parking utility will own the public portion. So the shaded portion is CDA leased by the by exact, and the the not shaded portion is public. Correct. The CDA portion leased by, leased by JDS. Leased by JDS. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and the sorry. Go ahead, Natalie. You I was going to say that we have a several slides later on about the terms of that lease, which is a 27-year lease, and then the terms of the sublease to really clarify what's happening and what we refer to as that private parking. But that's the CDA-owned parking lease right. to JDS LLC. Right. Right. And I just was going to add that at least for 27 years, and then we'll talk later about. And the reason that the additional portion under 88 is not excavated and used for parking is because of timing, correct? Is that they're basically digging out as much as they can and still hit their timeline, is that? That's correct. So the, ideally, you could pull this, these three tiers over further. You wouldn't probably pull them all the way over because then you'd have to underpin for MMB, but you'd pull them over another bay. Um, However, to do that, they have to dig down, and it adds another six to nine months of time to get down to these lower levels before they can get up out onto the top of the building. I apologize for asking you an engineering question, but is it possible to activate those later and add that? And burrow through there? Uh -huh. 
This may be more a question for Mr. Branson than, than for you. But Yeah, I don't know if we've ever asked that question. I think that you have got a lot of structure sitting on top of that space, and it's hard to imagine that you could gnaw into the earth and get your structure in. But I'm not an engineer, obviously. I think the issue is really money. I mean, you're going to have parking right. stalls. I wasn't asking a financial feasibility question, just an engineering feasibility. A stall and to then do it underneath a completed building with footings, I think would be pretty tough. <laughs> but, <laughs> that was not an inexpensive project, as I recall. Okay, thank you. Yeah, go on. Uh, and then I want to point out, this is where the Mass Municipal Building is. This is the exact building. Here we have Pinckney down here on Wilson. And the parking structure, as we showed, comes up out of the ground. Once that parking structure is capped, the idea is to then build the hotel on top of the parking structure, um, expecting or hoping that that um, would continue in construction in July of 2017 uh, and then be finished in 2018 creating an additional assessed value of property in the district of $24.8 million. The final phase being considered is uh, an office building at the top there. Um, and as I mentioned, that uh, is uh, the third and future phase uh, and wouldn't expect to be constructed before 2021. Can I ask a question? I don't know if that's appropriate or not. I think probably that's not a good idea, actually. This really is intended to be a briefing, and if we turn it into a public meeting, it's a different creature. It wasn't really noticed for that, so sorry. Okay, thank you very much. I'm happy to be a medicine taxpayer. Give you guys everything you want. I can't there, ask there, a question about the parking. There will be um, a public hearing on Tuesday at the council meeting, but this there. meeting isn't noticed for that, and so I think it would be inappropriate. Sorry. And if you'd like to talk to us afterwards. We would be we'd be happy to answer your questions, but we didn't let other people know that they could come and ask questions other than alders, and so it's. Well, actually, you did. It was noticed. The clerk's office noticed it. As a meeting, but not as a as a public, public discussion. Hearing. Yeah. All right, financial elements, Dave. Yep. Thank you. So we'll talk about the uh, financial elements um, and guarantees. That'll include. Um, uh, to 25 and the subsidies. So um, this first graph just runs through, uh, shows that there's a total cost that includes both the public and the private elements of about $200 million. And then um, each of these columns just uh, shows where the funding is come from, coming from for each of the elements. So block 88 is the exact sciences tower. Uh, you can see the blue parts of the bar are the debt. The red is equity. So that's what the private developer is bringing um, uh, to the project. The green portions of the bars are what's being paid for out of TID 25, so that's a public support. The purple is um, uh, the proceeds of the land sale that um, uh, the city is receiving for selling the developable portions of blocks uh, 88 and 105, so some of that's coming back into um, the deal. On block 88, um, we have a jobs TIF. Uh, to support a portion of the cost of constructing the Exact Sciences Tower, um, as well as an equity return grant that is partially funded by um, the uh, TID 25 funds, as well as um, the land sale proceeds. Both the hotel and the block, uh, the second office tower uh, that will be on Block 105 are 
completely financed um, privately, and you can see the debt and equity there. The private parking is paid for by TID 25. And then the public elements are primarily the uh, portion of the ramp that will be owned by and operated by the uh, parking utility as well as um, funds for the city fleet parking that replace the surface parking that's currently on the back half of Block 88 as well as a bike center. Um, this just shows the proportional amounts in each um, element of the development. Uh, again, you can see um, each um, share, again, 100% in the hotel and, and Block 105 is from the um, developer, 100% of the private parking is uh, publicly funded. On the public parking um, and other elements, the um, parking utility reserves is that light blue portion of the bar. Um, there's also land sale proceeds that will come into the parking utility from the sale of that portion of the um, block for private development. And then the little piece of green at the bottom is some TID 25 money um, that uh, uh, kind of closes the gap with the cost of placing um, par a portion of the ramp underground. The parking utilities portion is equivalent to the cost of constructing uh, that many stalls as an above ground ramp. So land sale proceeds and TID 25 are making up the difference. So just to um, uh, kind of reinforce the um, fact that when we look at the total cost of the private development, which is 180 of that 200 million, roughly three quarters of that amount is being supported by debt and equity. Now this does include all of the phases of the projects as we uh, pointed out. So this is a, a look at um, when all the phases are constructed. Uh, taking a look uh, at the public subsidy, there's a total of a little under $47 million provided. About $42.5 million of that is coming from uh, TID 25. So this is the public subsidy to the private development. This does not include the, the public elements of the project. So $20.8 million for private parking, a $12 million jobs grant, and then a $13.9 million equity grant split nine um um, 9.7 million to TIT 25 and um, 4.2 million from the land sale proceeds. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so all of that comes from either TIT 25 cash on hand or from the proceeds of the land sale. So there's no borrowing required to, to fund that, correct? That's an excellent question for the next slide. So oh, I'll go to the sorry. next slide. Jumping ahead. No, no, you're perfect timing. Good segue. So um, uh, this takes this uh, graph takes a look at TID 25. Um, the first column is uh, what the balance is as of December 31st of 2014. So there's 19.5 million of, of sort of um, surplus dollars after paying for all costs prior to this development, the JDS development. 19.5 million. So between that date, so from 2015 until closure of the TID in 2023, um, or collection of last increment in 2023, the TID itself, just the current property in the TID without this development, will generate about $38 million. And then the project, uh, based on the phasing that's been was in the RFP, so that's the construction of the and occupancy 
of the Exact Sciences Tower by July of 2017, construction starting on the hotel in May of 2017, and construction starting on the um, exact the second tower on 105 in 2021. We'd raise about $10 million of that $14 million. The other $4 million is that land sale proceeds for the equity grant being deposited into 225 to support that grant. When we look at the costs, we have about 4.7 million of costs. Those are projected administrative costs. Those are um, remaining interest costs on the lease revenue bonds that still need to be paid. Um, and then we see the elements of the um, subsidy for the development, 20.8 million for the parking, uh, a little under 14 million of this equity return grant, and then um, 12 million for the jobs um, TF grant. And then uh, 400,000 is the uh, amount of funding for the um, uh, that increment of funding for the public parking. And then the rest of this is uh, interest on short-term borrowing, interest on interfund borrowing. Um, there, we have, or the executive budget for 2016 does include $10 million of short-term borrowing for the project, to answer your question. And we would only issue that if we needed it for cash flow purposes. Mm -hmm. When so you look at a bridge loan? To some extent. I mean, when you look at a traditional TID, we don't have any money in the TID. And so we go out and we borrow it all, and then we recover it over time. Right. Here we have a situation where the TIDs mature. It has a balance that's been building up uh, as we've been thinking about this project. And um, we'll get increment from now through the end of the TID. So there's enough there to pay for that. And then at the end, which is the last bar, sorry, on this um, uh, on this graph, we would have 19 million at the end. So we'd start with 19 and then with 19, if everything plays out. Mm -hmm. The 10 million would be issued, um, and the reason we put it in there is we have a significant balances right now in the parking utility, which will be spent down as we build government east, and significant balances into 25, which will be spent down. Well, that could affect the city's cash flow as a whole. So in the event that we need that, we'd issue it. We, we might not need to do it. Um, the other thing I want to emphasize on this graph is the um, obviously these are projections, and there are risks with the projections. Probably the most certain thing is there are two most certain things. that Right now the balance is $19.5 and growing, and then we know what all the costs are. Those will be... Those are either have occurred or are a part of um, paying off existing debt or will be a part of a plan amendment to the TID 25 project plan that has to be approved by both the council and the joint review board. What is, has some risk is um, all the revenues. So we make assumptions that the mill rate in the city will fall by 2%. That's how we do every sort of TIF run and that the property in the TID will grow by 2%. So that's what's dictating that $38 million. The, nine, the $10 million of that $14 million is based on the timing of the development and the value of the development. So if, that, if anything is delayed or if the value is not as we expected or if there's, the mill rates are different, these numbers could be um, different. Now, we do use a conservative approach on those mill rates with falling mill rates. What we've seen the last few years, obviously, is with flat property values and increasing levies, we've seen actually rising mill rates. So um, there are some risks here, but there are some risk mitigators as well. Mm -hmm. 
I think the other thing to point out by using TID 25 is you'll see here, you know, other than maybe doing short-term borrowing, we have no financing costs associated with the project that we would normally have. Now we're going to turn to the um, subsidy guarantees. Um, I'll just state up front, these guarantees are unique. They're um, much less than we would see on a typical TIF deal where we would be um, requ requiring that the increment be guaranteed every year, that there be um, an individual guarantee uh, provided by the developer as well as a corporate guarantee uh, and a significant corporate guarantee by the, um, the underlying uh, LLC or, or whatever the corporate structure is. But this does reflect the negotiation process and does reflect a balance between the amount of debt and risk and equity the developer is bringing to the size of a project uh, and trying to balance that with the risk and, and benefits to the city. And this has all been discussed with the Board of Estimates and through um, council action. But to boil it down, of the $42.5 million of tax increment that's being provided from TID 25, 20.8 million of that for the parking ramp is in a property tax guarantee, and we'll get into that in the next slide. 12 million is in a jobs guarantee, so the exact sciences has to sort of create and retain a certain number of jobs for a certain span of time. And then 9.7 million, that's a part of that equity return grant, uh, has no guarantee on it. So this slide has been changed from last. Can I interrupt you for a yes, second? Please do. Finn? Can you help me understand why you're using the phrase property tax guarantee rather than increment guarantee? Uh, well, are they kind of the same thing. They're the same. I mean, okay. incremental revenues are simply property taxes deposited right. in a TID. Okay. So I'm just more used to hearing that phrase, but wanted to make sure there wasn't any difference. There's no difference okay. between them. I mean, in effect, there is no increment because after 2023 there will be no TID. Right. So. Right. There's still increment. It's just not. It's into the. TID. Either way, they're right. property tax revenues. So. Right. Um, this slide uh, has been changed from yesterday's briefing. Um, as we took a look at it and um, thought about it more, we really had not completely captured what was happening with the guarantee. I, I think we were just using um, a little too much shorthand, so we want to be very clear about what's happening with the parking ramp guarantee. So we're spending $20.8 million on the private portion of the parking ramp. And in negotiations with the developer, this is what we were able to agree to. We asked for much more, but this is what um, the negotiations ended up with. So what we have is an increment schedule that's in the development agreement, the property tax schedule, of estimated property taxes. And these are the cumulative amounts, so that's what the bars are. The blue bar is, blue portion of the bar is the exact sciences tower and what it will generate cumulatively. The red portion is the hotel and the green is the um, second office tower. So there are two tests. The first test occurs in 2032, and it's a $10 million test. If the cumulative revenues from all of the property taxes generated by the development are less than $10 million, the developer can do one of two things, make a cash payment to make up the difference, or um, we would have to then invoke an assignment of all of the net income from the private portion of the ramp uh, to the CDA. And then that would um, sort of accumulate over time. So that's the first test in 2032, $10 million. 
Um, the second test is in 2044, where you have to reach the 20.8 million. So it does assume in 2044 that the first 10 million has been addressed. Either it's been met or the net income has been assigned or something had happened at that point. So the remaining 10.8 million, if we're short of 20.8, the developer has to pay up to 6.8 million. That's the corporate guarantee. And then the it's uh, payment for the ramp of $4 million that makes up the remaining difference. So that's how we get to $20.8 million. And um, the, um, the corporate guarantee of $60.8 million, they have to demonstrate net worth of that amount throughout the 27 years. So, so those are the two tests. And if the development occurs as portrayed and the property taxes occur as laid out, then the 20.8 million, as you can see here, would be achieved by 2028. So once 20.8 million is achieved, then the guarantee goes away and all of these other provisions don't work. And then we play out the remaining 20, remaining amount of the 27 years and that's when the, the ramp is sold and Natalie will get it to that in a minute. Can, can we stand this graph yep. for about 20 minutes? Because <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, there wasn't so, enough last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to stop looking. At yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm understanding this right, the the exact phase one itself mm -hmm. meets the 2032 test by 2025. Yes. Assuming everything. Assuming, right. So, so this assumes a declining mill rate right. and a value of $53.5 million that is growing at 2% annually. Okay. So if the phasing is as expected, then it well exceeds that. It, in fact, even hits the 2044 test by 2028. If all three phases. Right. With all right. Three if the phasing phases, is right. as expected. Yep. That's and right. even if the other two phases don't happen, the 2044 test still hits by about 2035. Again, presuming. So, if I'm understanding this right, even with your conservative projections for property tax revenues and valuation, then um, these tests are still easily achievable, even if the additional phases don't happen. Correct. Now, you know, I think the flip side of that is these are not the guarantees we would normally see. Right. Right. So I'm just trying to understand yep, the, but this the, is how it works. Where the tests this are. This is how it's described. Yes. yes. Yep. So, um, and then the, help me understand the, the remedy again, um, the cash payment I get. Um, help me understand the assignment of the revenue. So basically the, the, the CDA would then start receiving the sublease. It would receive the net income from the ramp. Okay. So that would be the cost of operating the ramp, uh, as well as I think the debt service payment on the exact yeah. structure. So the the way it reads is it's the gross revenues less the cost of operating, less an agreed upon um, debt service payment for the exact. And those, I think those revenues right now are projected to be something a little less than $2 million a year, the net revenues. Okay. So it, the intention is to, we don't necessarily care 
which of those methods the developer uses to make the city whole, they have the option of either one of those. And presumably would make it based on how well the ramp is performing. Financially, it might be a better better deal for them to just pay the cash. Correct. Right. If the if the ramp is performing well. Okay. Well, Kenny has a question. Thank you. Well, this is different from the uh, chart that we received yesterday. So my question is, um, did the finance committee go back and uh, to, to, to present a more um, clarifying picture rather than go back to the negotiating table? No. So this is a clarification. This is a clarification. Okay, okay thank yes. you. Yep. It was just boiled down too far and didn't portray okay. what we should have. So this will be put... In, this will be put on uh, the website with this chart. Okay, good, thanks. And Alder McKinney, if you'd care to move down, you're welcome to sit closer. Okay, all right. Did you have another question? Yeah, I'm trying to formulate it here. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to understand essentially when, when the city is made whole for the entire public contribution. So the the forty seven million plus the the um, expected increment that would happen anyway um, if the project didn't occur because I can see if all the phases happen we hit forty seven million in around twenty thirty nine thirty nine yeah yeah now I, I yeah go ahead and if the subsequent phase the two phases two and three didn't happen it's somewhere off the chart. Yes, that's correct. And, um, and I want to be careful with the terminology here because we don't have a TID, so we're not really recovering. Right. What we're really doing is seeing are the property taxes generated equal to the sub subsidy that's provided. Within right. A I'm thinking of it in terms of, of ROI, not necessarily yeah. yep. making the TID whole. And that's when you include the jobs TID of $12 million <clears throat> plus the cost of the parking structure. This doesn't count any payments for the $4 million payment on the structure or the payments over time, the lease payments. Mm -hmm. So that would be another return on the investment that's not calculated in here. And then the other piece is that Dave refers to it as the recontribution of land payments, but it's really the equivalent of a write down on our land from a market value to a lower value. Right, right. And there's the incalculable. Um, opportunity cost of some other project in its place Correct. that would have a different schedule than this, presumably, and, well, yeah, incalculable is the right word. You can't really use many permutations. Figure out what it could be, right. Yep. right. Okay. Ready to move on? I think so. No now promises that I might not want to come back. Yeah, we absolutely. Um, so now we have the jobs grant. So that's $12 million, and... Um, provided to exact sciences uh, to support the portion of the cost of constructing the office tower. And what we have is a real sort of a guarantee on the 12 million that they not relocate the jobs created. So it's exercised if they vacate the building, terminate the lease, and locate to a different site. And then that guarantee is retired by one and a half million dollars annually. So in effect, it is completely retired after eight years. It is a corporate guarantee. 
and it's um, reduced by any amount collected under the jobs guarantee. So that's the um, second piece of this, if you look at that third bullet. Exact has to guarantee that 300 jobs exist in Madison um, when the office building opens. And so in Madison, not in the building. And then there would be 400 jobs in the office building by January 1st of 2019. So that provision's in there in response to exact saying we can't move everybody into the building all at once. So it gives them some time. Um, they have six months to remedy if they're short of the, either of those numbers. If they don't remedy and get to those targets within, after, within that six-month period, then they have to pay $30,000 per job that they're short of those amounts. And so that would also reduce the guarantee if they had to make those payments. And then we actually get the money through the developer. So there's a, a provision in the lease between the developer and exact sciences that there would be a relocation penalty. So it's a penalty that both the developer would receive and we would receive a portion of that. And so if exact would leave, then they would you know, um, put in, uh, exercise that penalty and then you would have to see how much we would get of whatever is left of the guarantee. There is a provision in the lease. Um, it's in effect like a security deposit where there's two years worth of lease payments that have to be set aside in an account um, that's not under exact control. So an that's escrow, essentially? Excuse me? An escrow, essentially? In effect, yeah. And that's about $12 million as we currently estimate it. Okay. So, sorry, um, we, we done on the slide? I just want to say one more thing. I just want to be clear that this is a guarantee on jobs created and retained. It is not a property tax guarantee. So, One thing I might just add, you'll also note in the amended and restated agreement, there's an um, audit process so that there's an annual audit by the city's internal auditor that um, has a certification filed by exact, uh, an on-site review of payroll reports, by the city, and then preparation of an audit report. Mm -hmm. So there's a robust monitoring of this. Right. And I'd add one more thing, <clears throat> excuse me, which is we have gone back and clarified that these are full-time equivalent jobs. Um, that was something yeah. that was caught. Mm -hmm. So the, the guarantee kicks in if all three of those events occur. They vacate the building, terminate the lease, and locate at a different site. That's correct? Well... Right, it'd be that's essentially how it's structured for their relocation penalty, in, as we understand it in the lease, and the two kind of have to flow together. Um, but yes, I mean, in order to vacate the building, they're going to have to terminate the lease. I just want to put it, is it right. three or two? But I guess if they, if they leave the building but keep paying the lease. Yeah. I don't know why they would do that. That would be their option. <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. But that depends on what they do in their lease as well. I, I don't know if that's going to be possible. Mm -hmm. To be okay. clear, if they just close shop, they go out of business, that's not covered by this guarantee. Right. That was going to be my next question, if that's the, the yeah, risk that's here. The right. Right. And that guarantee begins when the building is occupied? Correct. Mm -hmm. So if they fail to occupy for some reason, this doesn't kick in. But then we wouldn't charge them for failure to bring the jobs yes. that they're required to bring. They would owe us the entire $12 million. 
Ah, uh, okay. Occupy. Okay. Gotcha. But and I presume the disbursement schedule is such that we probably wouldn't have paid they would have done that yet anyway. So. Well, if they don't occupy, they would have had to have built out their entire office space and then not occupied it. Very unlikely. So that's, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Depends on timing of this the money. Our money is unfortunate event, but city money goes in for tenant improvements at the end of the construction schedule. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And then um, if they they occupy the building but don't make the, the, the 300 jobs, say it's 200 or, or fewer, then the, the point of the guarantee is to make up that difference? Correct. Okay. So that difference times 30,000 a job would be owed back to the city. Right. Okay. Thank you. Wait for your microphone. Um, and I don't know if you're going to cover this later on because I had to leave early yesterday. Um, I'm looking at n new jobs that will be coming into exact science. At, at what point is it here that we discuss this or is it in the back of the presentation? I want to know if these are new jobs that they're bringing into the site or they're just relocating folks that are already hired. So where is that being we addressed? Some, we have some slides a little later on that talks about exact workforce. And the okay. Time. All right. I left early. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Parking. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the parking elements, um, we've covered the basics, which is the fact that the CDA would build the 1,250 spaces, transfer ownership to the parking utility of their 600 spaces, and they would operate that. And then the CDA would lease the 650 spaces to JDS LLC for a period of 27 years. That parking lease um, includes a payment per year of $115,000 from JDS to the CDA. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> at the end of the 27-year term, JDS LLC has the option to purchase the parking for $4 million, which means there would be a total of $7 million in payments really against that $20 million investment, which, as I mentioned, were not included in those prior slides in terms of return on investment. As just an indicator, the city assessor took a look at the cash flows from the parking structure and indicated that this structure would be assessed at about $7 million. That was completely independent of our negotiation. The amounts that we came up with were just <clears throat> negotiated um, amounts. There's been questions about really how the parking works and, and um, whether there's a windfall in this process and the fact that that $115,000 looks like a very low payment per stall. Uh, and the TIF staff and this group have looked at the cash flows for the exact sciences building with the exact sciences rent payment and the cash flows for the parking structure, which include payments from exact for parking. And when you combine those and combine the expenses of both, you need these parking revenues to really drive enough money out of the exact sciences building and the parking structure to pay the debt service on the exact sciences building and then pay a reasonable return, 8%, 9% cash and cash return on the equity that's being posted for the first phase. 
It does not include sufficient money to pay a decent return on the equity that's being posted at closing for the second and third phase. So the developer is really not getting enough money out of this first phase to cover uh, all the money that they'll have in it. So you're saying essentially that's, that's like a gap. It's a gap, yeah. And it's really because when you look at the office building with the parking structure, as I'll go through on the next slide, 370 of these parking spaces in the 650 private structure are going to be leased to Exact Sciences, and Exact is going to be paying roughly $140 per month. That hasn't been finalized, but it looks like it'll be between $120 and $150. And so you, that's as part of their rent. <coughs> Excuse me. Since that's part of their rent, <coughs> you either take that in the office building or you take it in the parking structure, but you can't take it in both places. So you have to look at those two structures together to figure out that total gap. So um, in terms of the sublease, I love it. Thank you, sir. So that you don't have to suffer with me. Um, you need it more than I do. <laughs> so the, um, the sublease for the um, parking structure, in that JDS will be required to lease all spaces at a commercially reasonable rent. At this point in time, Exact Sciences will be leasing 370 spaces at about $140 per stall per month, and that's a 1.85 spaces per thousand of space that they lease. So they aren't originally in our discussions, they were getting a lot of parking for not a lot of money. Now they're really being sized to an appropriate downtown ratio. In addition to that, they're taking about 200,000 square feet initially and will grow into the rest of that 250,000 square foot building. So there's parking set aside for those other 50,000 square foot of tenants, and they'll be paying for their space, $140 per stall per month. And then we have our excess spaces that are set aside for future phases. And that's about 80 spaces, and they're assuming they'll get $175 per stall per month from those um, outside users. And then finally, there's 50 stalls set aside for the hotel. All of the hourly rates will be, uh, anybody who's in the ramp on an hourly basis will pay a rate set by the parking utility, so everybody will be paying the same thing, whether they're in the private accessory or in the public parking. So it doesn't compete with other public parking because parking utility runs it all. Parking utility, yeah, parking utility is going to, and the ramp really works now as if it's one ramp for somebody who's coming in on an hourly basis. They come through the gate, they take their card, they go, they come down, they can go up into the private, or excuse me, into the utility spaces or down, and you have to go through a gate to get down into those um, private spaces. You could use your hourly, but you have to pull a second card, and when you leave the ramp, you're going to get charged whatever the hourly rate is for the parking utility. Um, transportation demand management uh, at our request um, and, and the request of the Board of Estimates and the Council, Exact Sciences worked up an initial run at a transportation demand management plan. A full plan will be completed by heirs and associates before the, uh, for the land use approval process. But they have, the Exact Sciences has already identified and made uh, a, a commitment to work on a commute card program with Madison Metro where they're going to subsidize bus rides for their employees. 
They had a list of other options that they are going to be reviewing, including you know, re rewards for um, employees that take alternative transportation, a potential cash-out option where they might actually give employees money for not taking a parking space. Um, they'll designate a transportation coordinator to work with employees as they come on board on here are, here are other alternative transportation options and work with the city in terms of big event days and um, other parking changes downtown. Um, they're looking at facilitating a rideshare program by, by one, working with the employees, but also by setting aside good spaces in the parking structure so that if you rideshare, you get to park in those spaces, um, a center where people could store their bike helmets and other cycling gear. So their, um, their transportation demand management initial draft um, looks like it takes advantage of a lot of the types of things that we're asking downtown employers to do. And just to clarify, that's draft at this point because it'll be reviewed as part of the land use process, yeah. not this financial stage. It was really, they gave us an initial read because um, there, was an, there was an exact sciences executive who came to the council and applied, hey, we want every one of our people to park and we want them to park for free. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the uh, Conroy came and said, no, we're really committed and we'll have people living downtown. And we asked them, well, then you should put this in writing so that the council really understands your commitment to transportation demand management. We didn't want to leave that until a later date. Well, I guess I get the workforce, too. Um, so, uh, Alder McKinney, to your question. I wouldn't say that the jobs coming downtown would be new at the date they come downtown because Exact Sciences currently has 200 people in their headquarters in the research park, and they're beginning to staff up for their growing business. Can't, they can't wait until 2017 to add those employees. So what they're telling us is that they have 200 employees in their um, headquarters office now. They expect to have 400 employees moving into the downtown headquarters by mid-2017. And then they expect to have 650 employees in the headquarters uh, by seven years after that, which is 2023. So that's what their projection, not for the company, but for the specific headquarters looks like. Um, so they may have those 400 employees in temporary facilities in July of 2017. They, they may exist here somewhere, but they'll be consolidating all of those 400 employees in the downtown headquarters when it opens. Guarantees and what is what do we have that's concrete that holds them? Is there? I, I remember a memorandum of understanding being mentioned. What holds uh, Exact Science accountable for for those uh, minority jobs? I would say at this point there's two things. One, there is a signed memorandum of understanding, or currently, currently. Um, they signed a memorandum of understanding about working with the Urban League on uh, job recruitment, holding job fairs, um, for bringing people particularly into their customer service in their lab tech positions. Um, what I think will hold them is the team that the mayor's asked us to set up to meet with Exact Sciences on a regular basis as they get ready to come downtown and as they increase their hiring. 
um, so that we have the ability to continue to support them in their diversity, but also to make sure that they are doing the work with the Urban League that they've committed to do. I hear the answer, yeah. um, but I'm still not comfortable with that answer because it still does not say to me that exact science is committing to bringing that more diverse labor force. I, maybe it's in the language or whatever, but it still does not say to me that that's going to happen. It's great to say promises. It's great to say I'm going to talk. It's great to say I'm going to do all of those things. But until that there is some kind of uh, accountability there that really does equate to having those people in the seats, um, it's too vague for me. Is there a possibility that um, the Urban League, and I know I talked to um, the EEOC, that we need some more specific language, that's some more guarantees, and specifically for minority hiring. We talked about hooks. For minority hiring, you have to have hooks because if you don't, it is a great idea, but it will not happen. Kennedy, the only additional comment I would add to address that is that the development agreement requires that it's called a hiring diversity memorandum of understanding be executed by the time the project commences, the closing, and we'll talk about that sequence in a minute. Um, so that hiring diversity memo of understanding has not been executed here. And so I... I believe the things you're talking about can be incorporated into that document that you'll see prior to the closing of the transaction in December. They have, in advance of the amended agreement, however, have executed their memorandum of agreement with the Madison Urban League. And I would really see that as the first step of their good faith efforts to show us that they are committed to this, but they still have to execute a hiring diversity memorandum. I'll just add that, uh, and I'll have to look into this, but I don't know legally how far we can go to require them to hire certain people or uh, hiring employees of certain ethnic backgrounds or whatever it may be. Um, we'll have to take a look into that. I understand that we're providing uh, financial support, but I would have to make sure that we're not, when you say concrete numbers or something along those lines, we just have to make sure that we're not overstepping our territory. Direction that with um, a project as substantive as this, is that some guarantees of per percentages? And if it's incorporated in the um, memorandum of understanding that you were talking about, George, I wanted, uh, I'm going to be pushing to see that. Um, but this is, a, this is a huge endeavor. And if we do not step in front of it and give it, you know, not 100%, but 210% of making sure that there is some black and brown uh, faces and people that are on these job sites, we have not done a good job 
at the equity lens that we are portraying as a city. So that's very, very important to me. Thanks. So in terms of the exact sciences workforce that's coming, so not talking about their entire workforce, but the workforce that they're projecting to bring to their headquarters that they have in their headquarters now, they really fall into three, um, three groups. One is the research and development group, which includes entry-level research associates all the way up through senior scientists. And that group um, makes between $30,000 and $140,000 per year. If I remember, I think that was about an $85,000 average um, in terms of uh, those folks. On the operations side, includes their facilities and equipment and maintenance folks, logistics, manufacturing, and operations scientists, quality control and quality assurance. And again, those jobs are $30,000 to $105,000 a year. And if I remember, it was about a 58 to $60,000 average in, the, in that range. And then finally, they have the corporate functions, which include you know, finance and billing, human resources, IT, those types of things. And that's a $28,000 to $145,000 range. Um, and I think that was in a $60,000 or $65,000 average um, payment. They did not include their... Um, you know, their, their executive suite, so the CEO and the CFO, because it would swing these numbers. So they were really giving us the workforce of those non-top-tier management. In terms of benefits, um, in addition to the base salary, everybody's on a team. Every team has the opportunity to make a bonus of 5 to 10, 20% of their base salary. They provide health and dental and vision insurance. They have a 401k, which provides a 100% match, up to 6% of the salary. And all new hires are uh, receive an initial equity grant. They also receive paid time off. So this gives you an idea of the benefit package that's available. Um, I think those $30,000 a year jobs are $15 to $16 an hour, to just give you an idea of where those jobs start. Um, and many of those jobs that are entry level are in the call center, or in billing, or in this entry-level lab tech position um, that they, they hire for. So we have two um, labor agreements uh, that BOE really pushed for. The first is for construction, and that's the project labor agreement. And this will be on the Block 88 office building, and what's not mentioned here is also included on the hotel. Should that, uh, when we get to that uh, portion of the construction. Um, so the purpose here is to stabilize, wa stabilize wages and working conditions um, in exchange for preventing strikes. This is handled. The negotiations were handled between uh, labor unions and JDS. Uh, generally, my understanding is it's following the terms of the Edgewater PLA, which had been executed, I, I think was carried out uh, appropriately. And other people can speak to that more uh, clearly. Um, we have the full terms laid out in the report from August 20th. It's pretty extensive. I shouldn't call them for full terms. It was the terms that had so far been um, agreed to uh, by the parties. It's not signed yet. It, 
is anticipated would be signed after the approval of the project. It is a condition precedent to closing. The second part of it is the labor peace agreement, and that will come up when we get to that will come when we get to the actual hotel employees. Um, as it says in here, and this is sort of the legal of it, you're protecting the city's proprietary interest in the development, uh, preventing strikes uh, by the hotel workers. So in, in exchange for preventing strikes, uh, the employees will gain whatever benefits they can ultimately negotiate for. Usually that comes down to wages, working hours, things of that nature. It'll be similar in most of its terms to the project labor agreement. Uh, the city can't go beyond requiring no strikes. Uh, the rest of the terms will be negotiated by the uh, only union that represents hotel employees in the nation right now, and that's Unite Here. They've been involved with this for quite some time now, and it was their suggested language that's incorporated into the agreement. Um, I would point out the one thing that we do have is we can't – or there are a few things that would get – or apparently would be able to get the uh, uh, developer out of um, having to execute a labor peace agreement, but we've put in there that council would have to approve removal. So if something happens between those parties in that negotiation, it would have to come back to council to ultimately approve removing it. Um, as it says here, just like the PLA, the final terms haven't been decided yet. Those will be negotiated moving forward. But again, it's a condition precedent to closing. So next steps. Uh, if the council on Tuesday evening decides to move forward with the exact sciences uh, JDS development proposal that we've been reviewing this afternoon, um, there's a bunch of things that are then presented um, to work on. And I categorize them in really three areas. The first is, are the hotel details. Um, in the resolution on Tuesday night, there'd be a commitment to a minimum of a 216-room-sized hotel. But the flag of that hotel, the operator of that hotel, and the room block agreement with the city all need to be resolved. And that needs to come forward prior to the project commencement closing. Project commencement closing is everything is in place to begin construction. And... and uh, so that would have to come back to the council and be approved prior to that project commencement closing. So that de those details would be tied down. Secondly, this project commencement closing, which is targeted for December, could be early January. Um, there are a number of, you've heard here this afternoon, conditions precedent to closing. And actually in the agreement there are 26 conditions precedent to closing. I won't go through all those 26, but they really fall into three buckets. Uh, one, those things that the city of Madison is responsible for, that we have to get done in order to get their closing. And th those include things such as creating the two-lot certified survey of the city-owned land on Block 88 so that we retain the municipal building lot and with the second lot that's created then is transferred to the developer under the purchase agreement as outlined in the, in the development agreement. Uh, we have to prepare a TIM 25 project plan amendment that has to come back to the council for authorization and then to the joint review board for approval prior to project commencement closing. So that has to happen. So those are city things that have examples. Uh, the development team has their own set. They, uh, not only do they have to advance the design and receive the uh, land use approvals and clear all those conditions of approval, but they, as I mentioned, they've got to 
identify the flag and the operator for the hotel. Uh, they've got to negotiate that labor peace agreement and get it signed prior to project commencement closing. So those are things they've got to get done in order for us to close. And then there's things that require us to work together, city and the developer in exact sciences. I mentioned the room block agreement. Uh, there's a construction administration agreement, very important to the execution of the project, making sure that uh, what we agreed to is going to be built in accordance with what our expectations are, what the parking utilities' expectations are, CDA's expectations, et cetera. And a dispersing agreement to lay out, again, how these public funds will go in. And you heard a little bit about that here today, where the, how the 12 million of exact direct exact sciences jobs TF works, the disbursement agreement will get into how the city funds are then uh, put into the construction vis-a-vis -vis the debt and equity that's being brought by the developer. And as we discussed a moment ago with Alderman McKinney, the hiring diversity MOU has to be finalized and put in place uh, in advance of that. So there's a lot of work to do. And the third are these parallel processes that are going to go on. So the city council will see this project again and again throughout the fall. You'll see the project plan amendment for TID 25 before it goes to the Joint Review Board with uh, the CDA's creation of a t uh, redevelopment district on Block 88 and 105 in order for them to actually uh, undertake the construction of the ramp as a public entity. The redevelopment district has to be in place. That will come forward, I think, in October uh, to the council. Um, the rezoning and other land use approvals uh, have already begun. I believe the Landmarks Commission has reviewed it but it needs to go to Urban Design Commission, Plan Commission, and then on to Council in November. Um, there will be continuing design progression in terms of all the pieces to get to the point where this can be constructed late this year, or early next year, and that includes the final ramp plans that will have to be approved um, at, uh, for the public portion of the ramp. Um, there'll be uh, approvals relative to removing the annex on the municipal building, that appendage that sticks out into the the adjoining lot, once the CSM is adopted, you'll, the council will see a, a resolution to approve bids. So if Tuesday night this does uh, pass, um, there will be then bids uh, uh, solicited for the removal of that by city engineering. Those will come back later in the fall, so that can be undertaken in, in, the, in December, I believe. Is that right now? Um, and then last but not least, capital budget. As it goes through the process, uh, as uh, the finance director has indicated, there's a number of um, provisions in the capital budget relative to all these pieces you've been hearing that need to be authorized. So those are kind of the next steps. Uh, all, all is important as these steps, frankly, because without them, the project can't go forward and the city's expectations can't be met. So we appreciate your time today and we're willing to take additional questions. Alders Happen. Um, I have a few. Um, the relocation of the post office, are we terminating their lease or is their lease up for renewal anyway? They're on a 30-day <coughs> notice. Oh, okay. So we have given them notice of termination and they're looking at an alternative location. And I understand that real estate is assisting with that yes. process. Okay. And then um, can we talk about the <coughs> reversion uh, agreement provision for um, the 105 <coughs> properties? Um, I understood from the from the summary document that went out the other day that it was 18 months, but now I'm hearing there's also something that could go on as long as seven years. So could you clarify how all that works? Sure. So the way the agreement is structured, we should have commencement on the hotel. Now this is only this is specific to the hotel unit, not okay. the expansion space. 
So we should have construction commencing May 1st, 2017, but there are a variety of things that could happen where that's not feasible and it, and it doesn't happen. So the developer has a grace period of 18 months to make to commence construction. If at the end of that 18 months from May 1st or or May, May of, okay. of 2017. So they have to be under construction by October of 18. Okay. If they exercise their grace period. Okay. Right. And that's at their discretion. Okay. Well, there are certain things, but more or less, yes. There are certain things laid out in the agreement, market conditions, but land it's use pretty it's lax enough. Well, they should have a lot of the land use approvals done. But that's all being done in, in advance. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they'll have G G G GDP, but they won't Don't have, have to get an SIP. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so then after that grace period, the city would be able to step in and develop the hotel on its own. So we would have to get, we'd have to put this out for proposals. We'd have to get a development agreement done and we'd have to have um, some evidence of uh, equity or, and financing uh, for the hotel. And then we could reacquire that unit and build the hotel ourselves. Um, if that doesn't happen, in, so that would be 18 months, but that's a concurrent right. So while we're doing that, JDS could also commence construction on a hotel. Okay. So the goal here, though, is to get a hotel. Um, and if it means that we have to prod them along by right. you know, moving towards a new uh, proposal, then we can do that. At the end of that 18 months, so that concurrent right period, uh, then exact would have an exclusive right for the next seven years. So that would take us out to 2027. So that's if the city uses not to take action during or that. Or if we're unable to take action. Right, during that second 18-month That would take window. us to April of 2020. Right. So we haven't, if they haven't built it or we have not solicited an alternative developer by April of 2020, then they have the final period under which to develop that hotel. Okay. And then at the end of that period, the city has the final right and we can take it back. And then we would just get it completely. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Other questions? Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you.